This is The Granite Beat, a podcast where we highlight New Hampshire journalists, ask them about recent stories they've published, and what it's like to cover their corner of this small and interesting state. I'm Julie Hershan Hart, and I'm here with Adam Drapshow. Hello. A good photographer is someone who operates their equipment with technical skill. A great photographer is one who balances that skill with empathy for the scene and people they are photographing. Alex Treehouse, who works for the Valley News, has a portfolio of projects rich with empathy. She has spent time photographing people recovering from addiction in Ohio, marginalized young adults in San Francisco, and most recently, a former Special Forces soldier from Afghanistan, who is now living as a refugee in New Hampshire's Upper Valley. Thank you for joining us, Alex. Thanks for having me. Alex, could you tell us when you started to become interested in photography and photojournalism? What made you decide to make this your vocation? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was in high school, my family moved overseas. And I joke that kind of as a consolation prize, my parents bought me a camera. And having that really helped to adjust to that experience. It kind of gave me an opportunity to explore the world from my viewpoint. And so I really fell in love with photography through that experience. And I did never really intend to end up in the photojournalism world, but I was trying to figure out how I could maybe turn photography into a career. And the college I went to, Ohio University, had a really great photojournalism program. And so I thought, you know, why not check that out? And after going through that program, I ended up really falling in love with the journalism side of photojournalism. I really enjoy the everyday interactions that I get to have with so many different people who I would never meet in my day-to-day life. So that's what I really enjoy uh, about my job. So where did you move overseas? How old were you? And what was the camera? We moved when I had just turned 16. And we moved to a country in Southern Africa that at the time was called Swaziland and is now Eswatini. And the camera was a Canon Rebel T3, I think. Okay, all right. So how did you find a foothold in the career of photojournalism? I had a lot of help from my professors in college. I did several internships over the summer breaks during my college years. And I I think that that really helped me to get a foothold in getting a staff position. After graduation, I moved to Naples, Florida to work at a paper there for a couple years. And I had always heard great things about the Valley News, about their photography department, and how much they really cared about you know, community journalism. And when I saw that they had a position open through Report for America, I applied to that and ended up up here. And it's been a really great experience. You mentioned your time in Florida. I was particularly intrigued by one line in one of your online bios about photographing the python hunt. Could you tell me what it was like to experience that through the lens of a camera? Yeah, absolutely. So there are invasive pythons in the Everglades that have kind of, you know, taken over, uh, decimated the small mammal and reptile populations. And so the state helps to fund these python hunters that go out and search for the snakes out in the Everglades at night 
And we followed one woman in particular who was so cool. I loved hanging out with her. But she just drives along the canals with her daughter and has this rack of lights on the top of her car. And she's just so well-trained at spotting the snakes out in the water. And she sees one and she throws the car in park, jumps out and grabs it with her bare hands. It, it was pretty incredible to watch. Just your run-of-the-mill mother-daughter python hunting team, right? Yeah, totally normal activity. Yeah, I wonder, going back to your experience of moving to Swaziland, that's such a critical age to make such a change. And I wonder how long you were over there before moving back to the United States. And when you came back, did you come back with like fresh eyes for this culture and this society? Yeah, absolutely. So we moved there when I was 16, and I moved back for college about two and a half years later. And, you know, when you move to some place that's so different from where you grow up, you expect things to be different, and you're prepared for that. But then when you come home, you're expecting everything to be how it was when you left. And I think that was the most jarring part, uh, was realizing how different I had become over those couple of very important formative years and how I, I just saw the place that I grew up a lot differently. And I think I had a lot more empathy from that situation for the people that I met back home. We invoked the idea of a balance in Julie's intro, balance between technical skill and human understanding with so many of the subjects you are drawn to, there's another balance that's necessary, one that involves capturing some very close, intimate moments with a person's or a family's life, and then sharing that with your publication, but in a way that's not exploitative of their situation. Can you tell me how you think about that, how you approach that problem? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is the most important consideration in photojournalism and in journalism in general. I think it's really important to build trust with the people that you're photographing to make sure that they're comfortable with you being there and also, you know, giving them an idea of what is going to happen with those photos, you know, because that's not a normal experience to have someone come into your home that you're not familiar with photographing things that feel pretty personal and, you know, you don't know exactly how those photos are going to be used. So I think there's a lot of trust there with just people allowing you into their space and, you know, preparing them for, you know, this is going to be in the paper, like your neighbors and friends and community members are going to see it. So just allowing for a sense of like informed consent there. I think that's really important. And so in establishing that trust, I can imagine that might be difficult when working with marginalized groups or when there are barriers like language barriers or cultural differences. How do you approach building that trust when you run into this problem as a photographer? I think a big thing with that is to come in just as a person, spend time talking to people beforehand, like either leaving your camera in the car or just hanging by your side the whole time. Just really spending a lot of time on the front end, having conversations with people and not immediately putting a camera in their face. And with issues of like language barriers, it really helps to 
to find a way around that either through someone that can help you translate or even using like a Google Translate app just to, to build that line of communication. Alex, I'd like to ask you specifically about a recent project the Valley News published about Abdullah Shah, a veteran of the Afghan Special Forces who fought against the Taliban and is now living in the Upper Valley. How did you happen upon this story and how did you dig in? So I actually saw a post on a listserv from a local nonprofit talking about how there were some refugees from Afghanistan arriving in the area and just kind of looking for community support in a, a variety of ways. And I thought that that was really interesting because usually refugees end up going to bigger cities that have more resources and more of an infrastructure to help them resettle. So I reached out and talked to a couple people from the nonprofit and ended up going to a community dinner where some of the people that were new to the area were coming and kind of getting to know their neighbors. And that was where I met Abdullah. And when I met him initially, he had just gotten here and hadn't yet started going to English classes. And so everything was like pretty new to him. And I ended up reconnecting with him about a year later, actually at the same community dinner, and just ended up spending a couple months with him and a, a variety of things that he was doing, going to English classes, going to, to work with him. And I went to a couple Ramadan celebrations with him as well. How much time do you think you spent with Abdullah overall for this project? Um, it wasn't like one extended time. It was just kind of here and there. So I probably saw him once every other week for maybe three or four months, just trying to get a, a good variety of what his life looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. So you probably could have gone just one day and gotten a bunch of pictures and said, that's good and move on to the next thing. What do you think, why do you think it was worth the investment of time to keep returning and building that sort of linear or, or longitudinal relationship with Abdullah? I think that just spending time with people, even if it's not, you know, taking the best photos that you're going to use as your lead art every time, it, I think it makes people more comfortable with you being around and you kind of have the time to build a relationship with them which in turn helps you to get better, more nuanced photos when they get more comfortable with having you around and start telling you like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my tires changed in a couple of days. And like, that's something that they maybe wouldn't have brought up when you initially ask like, oh, what do you have going on this day? And, and so it's just like getting more into the weeds of the, the like day-to-day -day life. And so I think that that was, that was really important in showing a, a broader sense of what his life looks like here and also how that's changed over time, like from when he first got here to what his life looks like now. You worked with another reporter from the Valley News to create that story package that wove the photos and the journalism together. What was that experience like having another reporter kind of tell the story that you found? I think that it was a really collaborative experience. Liz and I did the interview together. That was what she did a, a majority of the reporting from. So I think that that really 
was helpful to have that like similar base that we were both working from and she looped me in on like most of the the conversations that she was having and had me read over the story and let me put in input that I had from you know things that I had been at that she hadn't necessarily gone to so I, I think that we were able to weave the story and photos together really well. I see that your position is funded by Report for America. Could you tell us how that works logistically, uh, why you decided to sign on for it? And if you have a thought about this, what grant funded um, news positions really mean for the future of, of the industry? Yeah. So Report for America is a nonprofit organization that helps to place mainly early career journalists into newsrooms that are either in undercovered areas or have undercovered communities or important beats. And the way that that works is it's the, the newsroom funds a portion of the salary, Report for America funds a portion of the salary, and then they also in, encourage the newsroom to do uh, fundraising in the community to get kind of community buy-in in the positions. I applied to Report for America specifically because I wanted to work at the Valley News, so it, it was great that it worked out that way. I'm really happy that it did because there are a lot of support mechanisms through Report for America that I wouldn't have access to in a normal staff job. Like all of the the photographers in the cohort get together on a, a, a call every other week and we share work and talk about what's going on in the, the photojournalism industry more broadly. And so I, I've really enjoyed having that kind of space that is still focused on photography and still focused on photojournalism, but is also outside of my newsroom. So that, that's been a really great experience. Um, and I, I do think that the, the funding model that we have for newspapers currently is, you know, kind of in flux. It, it's maybe not working as well as it did several decades ago. And I think that having more of a grant-funded or, you know, community-funded news model it is a, a useful way forward and a way that you can engage the community um, and funding the journalism that is important to them without being reliant on advertising. Do you have any advice that you would want to share for someone interested in starting out on a career in journalism right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing for me is finding people that you trust that, that work in the industry. So, you know, mentors and peers that you can go to to ask questions about ethics, about how to get a staff position, about how to freelance, that can look over your work and give you feedback that you trust and will actually implement. Just really building a network that you can rely on. And also making choices that feel right to you. You know, I feel like there's a lot of push in journalism programs 
that you know you're going to start at this small paper and then you're going to move up to a bigger one. Eventually, you'll end up at the the big city paper, or you'll move to New York and freelance there. And that's kind of the the one path that is highlighted. But I think for me, I really enjoy working in a small community newsroom, um, and I think that people should be open to figuring out what kind of work they actually really enjoy doing and pursue that kind of path. Are you working on anything right now that you'd like to preview? And uh, is there someplace that people can go to see more of your work? Yeah. So I actually just finished up photographing a story about the Upper Valley Wilderness Response Team, which is a, a search and rescue group that's based in the Upper Valley in Hanover, and they do work in New Hampshire and Vermont. So that should be one of our Sunday centerpieces coming up in May that I really enjoyed working on. And you can see more of my work on the Valley News website. That's vnews.com. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time today. We really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. We'll look out for that um, for that story in the Sunday edition. Thanks so much. The Granite Beat is a project of the Granite State News Collaborative in partnership with the Laconia Daily Sun. We record at the Lakeport Opera House, and our theme music is composed by Bob McCarthy. Thanks also to the Marlin Fitzwater Center at Franklin Pierce University for editing and other support.